It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Recorded live. Good morning, Northern Maine. Welcome to the Northern Maine Landman Show on the Constitutional Radio Network, Conscience of Maine. This radio broadcast today in Maine and Maine worldwide. Broadcast today in Maine worldwide on TalkShoe Radio. This Google TalkShoe Radio in Northern Maine, you'll find it. Well, today is the 242nd anniversary the founding of the USA. So, happy birthday to all, all my Navy friends. We, uh, however, prior to that, this was 1775, prior to that, on June 11th and 12th, 1775, the Machias Committee of Public Safety fought the Battle of Machias Bay. There was a merchant, first name was Ichabod, don't recall his last name, who used to run two two packets or sloops from Boston up to Machias with food and supplies. And he was a merchant, merchant type, merchant trader. And he got up to Machias and he was going to pick up two loads of lumber. But after April 19th, 1775, when the colonials stood up and said, no, you're not going to seize our weapons and our munitions and our firearms, provisions. At Lexington and Concord, the British decided that merchant ships should be, should be uh, escorted by armed escorts. They had a they had a uh, these. They had a sloop that was armed with small cannons, and some some sailors went up 
that an armed sloop had come in to
push the town line further up. We still have a town of Falmouth just above Portland, but Portland is uh, is now the official name. So now we've got the Margareta. We've got the Falmouth Packet, which was outfitted with some cannons. And then we had the Unity. The Unity was uh, renamed the Matthias Liberty and outfitted with with one or more cannons. And then a month later, we seized the Her Majesty's ship Diligence. So now we've got a four-ship navy sailing out of Machias Bay with a bunch of down east sailors. And we were better sailors than the British. We had better ships and better, uh, faster ships. Because until we began to seize cannons and form a navy, we had we our only means of defense was to sail faster than the British, which wasn't hard to do because their warships were very heavy, have a lot of a lot of parasite drag in the navy, as they say, and they also had uh, they also had very blunt bows. And our our sloops and our schooners had you know, were very streamlined. And they, the fastest ships in the world were American built ships. And before they had the clipper ships, we had the packets. And after April 19, 1775, the, the uh, colonials sent word of what happened April 1975 to one on a packet called a Quirrell, Q-U-I-R-E-L. And uh, don't know how that name came to be, but that's what it was. So they they sent the uh, Quirrell to London with, with a tabloid. The tabloid was a broadsheet printed on one side, 16 by 22 inches, and uh, it was it was titled "Bloody British Butchery or the Runaway Flight of the Regulars," and I have a copy of it. In fact, I have some copies of it. And when we do a presentation in schools, we leave that with the school so they can post it on the bulletin board. That's part of our project Appleseed. This past weekend, and uh, good people, men, women, a couple of kids, and all of them went away with safer and more shoes, which is what we do. So, the anniversary of the founding of the U.S. Navy. The uh, Committee of Safety uh, was what municipalities and villages had rather than a militia. And today, in Maine, we have Committees of Safety in some, some towns. They are not elected. They're volunteers, like the Volunteer Fire Department. You know, people are not elected to the Volunteer Fire Department. They 
they join up with their own free will and they serve when they can. If they're at work or out of home, you know, they they can't respond to every single emergency, but there are enough of them that they, they can meet the aid. And safety deals with emergencies. You got a heavy rain, a culvert plugs up. Well, somebody from the committee of safety, a couple of guys go out with with uh, hose, like potato hose, and and uh, <coughs> and pull the rush away from the culvert so the road wash out. That happened several years ago in town. Seven o'clock, and all of a sudden, that was the moment when the old rotten beaver dam gave way in the spring of the year. And down the brook came this huge flood of water from the pond behind the beaver dam. And it was a nice day, sunny day. Nobody expected a flood. <laughs> they came down and pushing brush, carrying brush with it, and sticks and small logs and trash of all kinds, and plugged up the culvert. So my neighbor has a pulp truck, and he had a big loading arm on the pulp truck. So he's reaching into the water and pulling brush out, you know, as, as much as he could grab with his pulp loader. And I'm on the other side with my Kubota in the backhoe, pulling stuff out with the backhoe, and we couldn't keep up. Stuff was coming down that brook faster than we could go, and it ran across the road. Next thing you know, the road is washing out. It was quite an event. We were not able to save the road. I mean, Mike went back up the road with his truck to get it out of the way, and I got out of the way with my Kubota. And just, I parked it there and blocked the road off. It was getting to be 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning, and the flood wasn't diminishing very much. You'd think when the beaver dam let go, it'd be a 10-minute incident, but this was a big impoundment of water behind this beaver dam, big flat area. And the beavers had built the dam on rock ledge. And when, when part of it just let go, that whole beaver dam swung open like a gate. That water came pouring down through there. So this town selectman finally came up. And they sent got the highway crew in. This is Sunday morning. And it took 34 truckloads of gravel to fill the hole. Both culverts washed downstream. So we replaced, I say we, the town replaced the two culverts with two bigger culverts. So that next time it happens, it will, uh, you know, it's less likely to wash out. <laughs> but the beavers are going to build a dam up there again. It, it's a good spot. And beavers abandon beaver dams when the food runs out. When there's no more food for the beavers, they'll leave and go find another place to put the beaver dam. And then the beaver dam is made out of sticks and mud and rocks. Mud is not a good dam-building material. It's used to pull up holes between the sticks. And the sticks uh, rot. So every 20, 25 years, the beaver dam will rot out and and the pond will drain. Sometimes it drains gradually, and sometimes it lets go in one slow poop. <laughs> so then then the food rolls back. 
and you get nice young alders and poplar and willows and stuff, really soft wood that the beavers like to eat. And the beavers will come in, they'll reestablish a lodge, start making little beavers, and and uh, it'll be a prosperous thing for the beavers for a few years until the beaver population gets up to the point where they eat all the food and there's no more food. Meanwhile, the trout get in there and beaver the beaver ponds are good places to fish for trout because except during the spring, the trout can't get over the top of the beaver dam. And the only flow through a beaver dam is seepage. Beavers are good at plugging up the seepage. They get they pick up mud and use it to plug up the holes, and they're pretty good, pretty good little engineers. I mean, the creatures in, in nature are real creative. You look at a wasp nest, you know. Now how does a wasp know how to build a nest? It's in their DNA. It's their instinct. It's what they do. And beehives, you know, you got beehives will, uh, you know. We'll produce honey, and we'll we put in uh, uh, we make beehives, and we put in uh, beehive-shaped combs for the beavers uh, for the bees to get a good start, and they make honey for us. And we lift these combs out, and take the honey, put in a fresh comb, and the bees, bees being uh, worker bees, go to work and. Make more honey, make more bees, and, and uh, it's an amazing thing to watch. Ants build these great underground places, and they know how to do that. Their brains aren't all that big. People can think of grand schemes, and uh, they plan more than than the animals do. The animals working on instinct, and people also work partially on instinct. And it's it's fun to watch. Some people think it's a science. And they start talking about political science. They, when somebody graduates from from college with a degree in political science, you know, you don't see ads in the paper for political scientists. So they go to work as an intern and try to get worm their way into into politics. Some of them are successful at it, and they get elected. And then they try to stay elected. And it works out reasonably well. But it's not a science. They get indignant when I tell them that political science is not a science. A science is a study where you can do something test it, reproduce it, and do it repeatedly, like building wheels for automobiles. You know, wheels all have to fit the automobile. And you can do it, and if you exceed the, the strength rule of the structural capacities, the wheel will fail. Same with any other device. You know, you you build a house and you hope that it's strong enough to withstand a snow load. But if you build a relatively flat roof out of two-by-fours, it's not going to hold up and the snow will collapse the building. And 
We know that. Most people know that in May. But you've got people flimsy buildings, and then the, the building collapses. As as the neighbors expected it to, because they knew. And they tell the guy, you know, you really ought to use 2x8s, 2x6s. But it's cheaper to buy 2x4s, so he builds this building with it's not not rated for the snow load because that's what he built when he lived down in Arkansas and it seemed to work down there. They don't have snow loads in Arkansas. You have to you have to obey the rules of engineering and science in order for your endeavor to be successful. So we've got a I'm in Pennsylvania today, and yesterday, with my sister and brother-in-law, we toured the battlefield at Gettysburg, something I've always wanted to do and, and just hadn't got around to it. Now I had the opportunity to come down, and we toured the battlefield at Gettysburg. If the, they say that the film Gettysburg is very realistic and very accurate. One of the things I wanted to do was stand with Joshua Campbell and put on Little Round Top. When you read a book, the book is accurate, the book is true, but no two people <clears throat> learn the same thing <clears throat> from the same book. You build your own images. So I I I had an understanding of the ground and the from from the Confederate side there was a large open expanse that they marched across to engage the the Union army at the foot of a ridge. And I I knew that, but until you see it, you don't really understand it. It's the same with Little Round Top. I picture Little Round Top as a farmer's field with and a knoll. That's that's what I envisioned. It's not at all true. The words in the book are true. It's just how do you how do you process it? How do you perceive it? So <clears throat> first we went to the area where the Confederates marched across a thousand yards of open ground. The first thing they did is they had all their cannons in the woods, and they fired cannons for hours at the Union Army, and the Union Army held. They got down behind their breastworks and hunkered down, and they they had a lot of killed. A lot of Union soldiers were killed and wounded during that artillery barrage, and then the barrage stopped. It was only sporadic from the Confederates, and they came across that open expanse. <clears throat> and the Union opened up with cannons and parrot rifles. Now, a parrot rifle fires a ball about three inches in diameter, or a bullet or a cartridge, a projectile three inches in diameter, and it's rifled. So rifles are more accurate than smoothbores. And they fired mostly grape shot, 
it was like, they called it a canister because it was like a tin can. It's a thin sheet metal tube with a good solid base on it, and they'd fire it out of, out, of the, out of the pirate rifle. And, of course, it's spinning. So when the charge goes off, it blows. When the charge goes off, it blows uh, these musket balls in all directions onto the enemy. So they uh, they fired a huge artillery barrage and killed literally thousands of Confederates as they came across that open ground. But there were enough of them left that they had a battle at the breastworks and then hand-to-hand fighting and with the Union. And there was a risk that they were going to break through in the middle because they had... They, all, they, all, all of the Confederates were told to attack the middle so that we can split the Union force, you know, we can defeat them. Well, they, uh, they didn't, weren't able to break.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.